I greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord. I greet you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are grateful for yet another beautiful day that the Lord has given unto us. I want to take this opportunity and wish all the mothers uh, in South Africa, in the full gospel church of God, in the body of Christ, and all over the world where my voice is reaching, I want to wish you a happy Woman's Day, a happy Mother's Day in the name of Jesus. You are indeed a blessing into our lives, and we are grateful for the gift of motherhood in Jesus' mighty name. This morning, this afternoon, I want us to open our Bibles in the book of First Kings chapter 19. We are going to read verse 1 to verse 4. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1 to verse 4. The Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and without how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I may not make thy life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. And when he saw that he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. And he said unto the Lord, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Let us pray in Jesus' name. Father, we give you praise in the name of Jesus this afternoon. We worship you, King of all glory, for you are the God of war. I thank you, everlasting Father, for every time you place us into situations, it is with a purpose, everlasting God. I thank you that victory is assured. I thank you that victory was won for us on the cross. And irrespective of the situations that we go through in our lives, you are in control in the name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting God, for your word reminds us that the flower fades, the grass withers, but your word remains forever. And so this morning as you as, as you minister unto us and as we listen to you speak to us Holy Spirit, may your word Jehovah God ignite within us a fire that will take us through even victoriously through every battle whether physical or internal whether outward Jehovah God or inward in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth we worship you, we give you praise in Jesus mighty name Amen I thank God this afternoon for the reading of his word. The topic of the, our word this morning is internal battles. And I want us to speak on this word, even not only today, but in the next coming Sundays. And I, I, I want us to learn of, of, of the lessons that we can pick up from the life of Elijah, even as he's going through highs and lows, because that is the story of our lives as believers. Yes, we have been called to a walk of faith, but every time when we, we say yes to this walk of faith, we have registered our names, even in the battlefield, and Paul is describes us as believers, as soldiers who are in the army and we are fighting a battle and at times it feels like it's an endless battle. There are times when you win one war, then other men rise up on the side. At times you have just uh, finished winning or, 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 or concluding a deal in one of the things that you have been struggling to get and as soon as you're done many other battles spring up and you don't even have at times an opportunity to celebrate 
or to just breathe and enjoy the victory that you have just uh, uh, achieved and all of a sudden you are faced with another battle and all of us know at one point or another in our lives whether it is through watching somebody else's story or it is through your own journey we get tired we get weary because it is tiring to go through endless battles that is how it feels and the scripture that we are reading today it brings us to the life of Elijah, not at his highs, but he is showing us a time in his life when he's going through one of those moments that we are so familiar with in our lives, if we can be honest, and say it is a time when he was at his lowest. You know, at times you come through a low and you, you, you kind of tell yourself, you know, I am down, as down as I can get. There is, I can't go any more lower than this. And then something happens in your life and you find yourself, you are not only low, but now you are right in the pit and you're looking at the ground above you. And, and this is where Elijah was. We know Elijah as a man of prayer. We, we admire his lifestyle. We admire his ministry. God had walked with Elijah as a prophet called even to speak to the nation of Israel. And we see his life. It is full of physical manifestations. All the things that a minister would desire to see in their own ministry. His ministry is full of the manifestations of God. Now before we get to verse 19, as we read his prayer and as we see him coming to this place under the juniper tree and he's crying out unto God and he's saying, you know what? I am done. I am tired. You know, I don't want to live anymore. Take my life. I want to die. There are things that happened in Elijah's life to get him to this place. And that is what I want us to discover even in this first part of the sermon in the name of Jesus. Brethren, we are fighting battles, but it is most of the, the battles that leave us weary. Most of the battles that can alter it, destroy our ministries, our marriages, our lives, and our dreams. Battles that can steal everything that we have lived for. They are not physical. Most of them are internal battles. And that is the, the title of our message today because believe me or not, accept it or not, even be able to declare it or not, but most of us at one time of our lives, we are going through internal battles. It is those battles that we don't talk about. It is those battles that nobody can see. It is those battles that we fight in, in, in our secret places that we are ashamed of. We are even embarrassed to voice them out. But I thank God because our God is real. And when he wrote the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, he wanted us to be real. And by being able to connect with Elijah at his lowest point, it kind of gives us the permission to express and also be confident that I am human, that yes, I have my victories. I have my mind mountain top experiences, but I also have my valley experiences. I hope I also have my low moments. Yes, I, I have my powerful manifestations when everything is flowing, when I can hear God audibly, when my prayers are answered, but then I also have my silent moments when God seems quiet as if 
believe he has turned his back on me. And it is those internal battles that are most crippling, even more than the physical battles. Because the physical battles are visible to most people. And so they draw attention. And most people can be able, who are in your corner, those people that are who, who are for you, the people that love you, the people that support you, they come to you and they can stand with you. They can carry you through, through those battles. But the internal battles, child of God, there is nobody who knows about it. You are crying and breaking on your own. And at times you are even ashamed or embarrassed to even speak about them. But there is one who sees, even in our most desperate places, in the name of Jesus Christ. As we will see, as we continue with our sermon next week, in the name of Jesus but this morning, as we celebrate Mother's Day, I am reminded of the struggles that we go through. The Bible describes the church as a bride, as a woman, the bride of Christ. But then I think most of us as mothers, we can't be able to connect with internal battles. We are most, most aware of those battles. There is a condition that I would like to highlight this morning. And it is a condition that is called postnatal stress. It is a condition that most people in the world, even most women, are unfamiliar of. It is a condition that affects one in five women. But most people don't know about this condition. Why? Because it is an embarrassing sort of condition. It is a condition that most women are afraid even to talk about, to, to have conversations about. Why? Because it is an abnormal kind of response. Praise the name of Jesus. You know, every time when we look at motherhood, one of the greatest things that we celebrate is the ability to give birth or to bring forth life. And so many times, you, you know, throughout conception and throughout pregnancy, there is a joy and an expectation upon every woman that you are expecting that after nine months you're going to hold your bundle of joy. And so the stress and the, the pressure and the physical discomfort in your body and the changes that our bodies go through, they are all worth it. Why? Because we know that we have an expectation. And when, 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 when that gift comes to us and we are able to hold it in our hands, all the pain, all the discomfort, all the mood swings, all the appetite, everything that we went through, it is gone in a flash. We forget about it. Why? Because the gift outweighs all the pain that we went through. But postnatal stress is not like that. For women that suffer this condition, once they give birth and they hold their baby, they actually hate the baby. And it is abnormal. And they don't understand. For most of us, immediately you hold your baby. You bond, automatically bond with him or her. And you are bombarded with emotions. And you are flooded with joy and love. And the mother in you, the nature that God has given us as women, rises up. And you can, you know, you go all out to provide and protect and nurture and nurse your baby. But this is not what happens to women who have this condition in their lives. As soon as they hold this baby, yes, the baby was not a mistake. The pregnancy was planned for. The pregnancy was wanted. But once they hold that child, then they, they develop feelings of hatred towards the baby. And, and, and so many of us do not be able, cannot be able to understand such emotions because we are not familiar with them. And at times, women are 
are scared to even voice and even communicate the emotions, the negative emotions they have towards their children. Why? Because people will look at them as if they are weird, as if they are abnormal, as if they are crazy, but they have no control over what they are feeling at that particular moment. Now, science tells us that the reason why there is postnatal stress is because of depression or the pressure that has happened throughout the nine months and you might find that the labor took so long and the body was was physically exhausted and it was it was it was unable even to just come into terms with the shock of child birth or the shock of giving birth and so when the baby finally arrives the woman is robbed because of all the emotional imbalance she is robbed of the joy of enjoying that moment of cuddling her newborn baby. The reason why I'm referring to this, brethren, is because this particular situation or this condition that I've just described, so many times described us as believers. It is something that we all go through internally. Yes, we don't talk about it all the time, but each one of us, in one point of our walk of faith, we have all come to a place where we have fought the good fight of faith, and then eventually when God gave us the breakthrough and the victory was here, we were robbed of the, the opportunity to celebrate. We were robbed of the opportunity to rejoice or the opportunity to embrace the victory and to just bask in what God has done. Why? Because of everything that you have gone through to get to that place of victory. We get tired along the way. We get exhausted, not only just physically, emotionally, mentally, but even in the spirit, we get exhausted. Why? Because we have given so much and then all of a sudden, here is a victory, but our minds are so clouded, our emotions are so imbalanced that we cannot be able to celebrate. You have worked so hard to get that promotion. All of a sudden, you have got that promotion, but now you don't even feel, you don't feel the joy or the excitement that you expected to feel once you achieve that that which you wanted to achieve but children of god these emotions are real and one thing that we need to do is to be confident and and to be real with ourselves not to feel imbalanced because when we are real with ourselves then we can be able to be real with god and then we open away and allow god to reach out unto us in the name of jesus christ now when we see Elijah in verse chapter 19, we see Elijah as a broken man. We see him, you know, lying under the jasper tree and, and he is tired. You know, he's saying, God, I have had enough. I want to die. He is literally asking God to take his life. Most of us, when we pray, we asking God to give us life. We are asking God for more life. We are asking him breathe again over my health, breathe again over my finances. We, we are, we are petitioning God for life because we know that he is the author of life. But at this particular point, though Elijah knew his God and he had walked with God and he had seen a lot of things that God could do, but at this particular time we find himself at a point of despair, at a point of discouragement, at a point of emotional distress. And he's crying out unto God and he's saying, you know what? 
take my life. I am done. I am washing my hands. I am done. I am quitting. I, I cannot do this anymore. And so many of us are well too familiar with such words. It's unfortunate, but this is the, the, the life that we are living. And this is the world that God has called us into. But by God's grace, we need to rise up and be victorious. But then my question is, how did Elijah get to such a place? If you read in verse chapter 18, you will realize that within a single day, three supernatural things happened in the life of Elijah. He had been living in a, in a roller coaster kind of life. And the Bible says that within one day, three things happened. Number one, it is the, 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 the day that the fire of God fell. The Bible says that he was at Mount Carmel and he was at, at a place where he had gathered with the prophets of Baal. We know, we know that Elijah was a prophet in Israel during a time when the children of Israel, most especially the northern tribes, were, had fallen into idol worship. And Elijah had been called and had been given a mission to speak the gospel and be able to bring revival. His mission and his assignment was to bring restoration to the northern tribes so that they can go back to the worship of the true God. And the Bible says that this had taken a lot of time and he had just gone through three years of drought. And the Bible says that on this particular day, he gathered together the prophets of Baal and he said unto them, you know what? Let us have a contest. The God that shall answer by fire, he is God. And the Bible says that the prophets of Baal from morning until noon or until later during the day, they prayed and they cried and they cut themselves and their God did not answer. And then Elijah comes into the scene and he says, now it is my time. And he calls upon the God of, of Israel. And he says, he calls upon the God of Abraham, upon the God of Isaac, upon the God of Jacob. He was calling God based on the covenant, mighty God. You know, so many times when we pray, it is good to pray from a point of covenant because when you remind God his covenant, then as God he rises up and he plays his part because he's a God who is faithful to his covenant. And Elijah knew the covenant that he had. And so he begins to call the God of his forefathers. He calls the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God that had walked with Jacob. He is a God that he was calling at that particular time. And the Bible says that God answered and he answered by fire. We love the scripture. So many times in our own prayers, we say, you know, I want to see the God of Elijah. I want the God that answers by fire. We sing songs and we say, you know, our God is a God that answers by fire. We love this God, the God that answers by fire. But the Bible says, that when that fire came down, it swallowed up, it consumed not only Elijah's sacrifice, but it also consumed uh, the stones and the wood, and it also licked up all the water that was around the altar. Such a powerful fire. Our God is indeed a consuming fire. And no doubt was left in the minds of all Israel that truly the God of Elijah was God. And the Bible says that they bowed down, the children of Israel, they bowed down and they acknowledged that this God of Elijah truly is the God that is God of all. 
And that is what Elijah had been crying out about all along. That is the kind of response that Elijah had been fighting for, had been working on all along. That was his assignment to get people awakened to the, the presence of the true God. And here we see them bowing down and acknowledging that, yes, this is the true God because they had seen for themselves. That is a victory. We, that is like holding a baby in your arms. But the Bible says immediately after that, Elijah went to the mountain and he began to pray for rain. It was the end conclusion of a three-year drought. And this is number two supernatural, what happened that day. All this is happening within the same day. And the Bible says he went and he prayed. And he prayed for seven times. And he's praying God for rain. He had just conquered and prayed for fire. And God had answered. But now he was praying for rain. And the Bible says the seventh time, his servant came back with a report. And the servant of Elijah said, you know what? I see a small crowd like the hand of a man rising up, mighty God. We love that scripture as well. We see, we always minister and we say, I hear the sound of, of a heavy rain. I hear the sound of a mighty rain when we are declaring that we can sense in our spirit that we are about to birth something. When we are declaring or even prophesying to the church, to the body of Christ that it is now time. We have been in labor for many years. Now it is time to bring forth. And the servant of Elijah gives Elijah this message. And he says, you know what? Your answer has, your prayer has been answered. I can see a sign. There is a cloud. Yes, it is small, but it is like the, the hand, the, the hand of a man, but it is rising and it is a cloud of rain. Hallelujah. Those are two supernatural things that happened to Elijah on the same day. Now the Bible says, Immediately as soon as Elijah received that message, he sent a message to Ahab and he said, you know what? Rush because there is rain. Heavy rain is, is coming. And the Bible says that the spirit of the Lord, the third supernatural thing, the spirit of the Lord came upon Elijah and he tucked his cloak in his belt. And the Bible says that he ran. Ahab was on a chariot driven by horses. But Elijah ran by the power of God. He outran Ahab and he ran all the way to Jezreel. And the Bible says that when he arrived there, he received a message. Or was it along the way? We, we are not told at what particular time he received the message. But the Bible says that as soon as Ahab went back home and he told his wife Jezebel, that this is what Elijah had done. Because as soon as the fire had fallen down, he had commanded the children of Israel to slaughter the prophets of Baal. And the message reached Jezebel. And so Jezebel sent a threat, a warning. And he said, you know what? Go and tell Elijah that the same thing that he has done to my prophets, if by this time tomorrow I don't do the same thing to him, then I am not who I say I am. And the Bible says that as soon as he received that message, he became afraid. There was fear in his heart. Now, we let us just pause there. Because the Bible says he has just gone through three supernatural things. We, you know, he was familiar with his God. He was familiar with what God could do. But all of a sudden we see that as soon as he gets 
He gets a, a, a message from the enemy. The Bible says that he got afraid. Why did this happen to Elijah? He had been through a roller coaster of emotions. He had been through victory after victory after victory. All of a sudden, there was no time even to celebrate between his victories. And just when he thought that now he was done, the Bible says he received that message. Before he could even settle down and just enjoy and celebrate or even begin to fathom everything that God had done within that day, he receives a threatening message. It was like a battle that was rising immediately after he had won another battle. He was physically tired. He was exhausted in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, I am reminded of Matthew 24 verse 12 when Jesus spoke to the church and he said that because lawlessness is speaking about the last days and he says because lawlessness uh, will abound in the last days. The love of many will grow cold. And this is exactly what happens when, when there is lawlessness. It means there is, there is things that are not right happening all around us. And it's so easy to get discouraged. Yes, as a church, we are praying. And like Elijah, we are seeing breakthroughs and God is moving on our behalf. But every time we get victory on one area, then we hear reports of other things that are rising. And they, they, they bring conflict into our spirits because, you know, they, they, we don't even get time to rejoice or celebrate the victories. But the Bible says that this is what is going to happen in the last days. That because of lawlessness abounding, the love of many shall grow cold. And this is a real threat, sons and children of, of God. It is a real threat to every believer that we must be aware of everything that is happening and, and be on guard so that our love shall not grow cold, so that we will not be in a state that Elijah found himself in, that though God had done so much in his life, yet he received a report that automatically just rubbed and erased everything that God had done in his life and erased it from his memory and he allowed the fear of the enemy to grip his heart and to grip his mind and all of a sudden he was a man that was running after his life. I also love when God speaks in Daniel chapter 7 verse 25. He is warning of a time and he says you know there is a time that is coming when the devil will wear out the saints of the most high God. And weariness is a real issue, children of God. It is, it is something that we deal with every day. And unless we know our source, unless we stay connected to the stronghold, unless we identify and intentionally dwell in the stronghold of the Most High God, it is so easy to get weary. It is so easy to lose track of what is happening in our lives or in the spirit. Now, a stronghold is a place where we get rest. A, a stronghold is a place where we get refreshment. A, a stronghold is a place where we get time to rearmor. Because as you well know, in battle, we get injured, we get hurt. Our armor gets, gets injured. And we, get, we, we need to have a place where we can run to, where we get refilled, where we get re, re, uh, re, revived. Where, where, where we get refueled in the name of Jesus Christ. And so it is important for us to know that battle. Why was Elijah afraid? Why did he run for his life? I want to just highlight four things that Elijah must have forgotten 
And these are four things that we need to be careful so that we will not forget. Elijah forgot four truths. And that is why we find him from a mountaintop experience, you know, experiencing the greatness and the miracles and manifestations of God. And then all of a sudden, just because of words, just because of a report, a negative report, we find him down in the pit, in despair and in discouragement. Four things, four truths that Elijah forgot. Number one, Elijah forgot the nature of the battle that he was fighting. Children of God, it is very important for us to realize that the battle that we are in, it is not physical. Yes, at times it manifests in the physical, but the battle that we are in, it is a spiritual battle. And Elijah forgot this. And as soon as he re received that report, he forgot that a spiritual battle is only won in the spirit. You don't win a spiritual battle physically in the flesh. You win it in the physical, in the spiritual. And once you win it in the spiritual, then it manifests in the physical. And Elijah had already won the battle that he had been in. He had already uh, accomplished his assignment. His assignment was to bring restoration and revival to the northern tribes. And by them bowing down and acknowledging God, it was, it was a sign that his, his assignment had almost been fulfilled. He had won the battle. And by receiving this message, it should have been a sign to him that he had rattled the enemy's cage. This report coming to him when it did, it should have been confirmation that yes, I have done something to the kingdom of darkness. I have, I have, I have shaken the foundations of, of, of darkness. But this is not what registered in the mind of Elijah because he was at a place of exhaustion. He was at a place of weariness. He was tired in the name of Jesus. He forgot the nature of his battle. Let us never forget that the battle that we are fighting is spiritual and it manifests in the physical, but it can only be won in the physical. So don't fight your battles in the physical. Fight them in the spirit in the name of Jesus. The second thing that Elijah forgot was the owner of the battle. He forgot whose battle it was in the first place. It was not his battle. The battle was God's and he was an instrument. He was just an instrument that God was using to fight this battle. And so many times, children of God, we at times forget whose battle it is. And so we end up getting dis discouraged. We end up getting coming to a place of despair and, and we lose hope hope, we give up, we get frustrated. Why? Because we have forgotten whose battle it is. So many times we like, or rather we refer to that scripture that David said that if the Lord had not been on my side, the enemy would have swallowed us alive. It is true. But I want you to notice, child of God, that it is not the Lord who is on your side because the battle is not yours. It is you who is on the Lord's side because the battle is the Lord's. Just that from our perspective, we see that the Lord is on our side. But from his perspective, we are the ones who are fighting on his side, on his battle. When we said yes to Jesus, we automatically sided with our God. And so his assignment, his purposes on earth became our purpose. His assignments became our assignments. And so we are the one who are on the, on the Lord's side in the name of Jesus. Let us not forget whose battle it is that we are fighting. The battle belongs to the Lord. This war 
is God's war. We call him the God of war. We call him the mighty warrior. He is strong in battle. Jehovah is his name. We are soldiers in the Lord's battle. So let us not carry the burden on our own. Let us not carry the burden of battle on our own. It is not ours. The owner of the battle will provide. The owner of the battle will send Amma if he wants to. He will send the angelic army to fight with us. He will do everything it takes to make sure that we come out victorious. It is not our battle. Once we allow the burden of the battle, the burden of the, of the, of the assignment that God has given unto us to weigh in on us and we forget whose church it is and we forget whose assignment it is, then we come to the place that Elijah was in, a place of discouragement, a place of despair. Child of God, there is an assignment over your life, but do not forget that the battle is not yours. The same person that gave you the assignment is the same one that will provide the power, he will provide the anointing, he will give you the wisdom, he will provide the tools, he will finance your assignment in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to speak to the ministers of God. Let me speak to shepherds that are pastoring churches right now. As we go through this difficult time that we are in, our churches are closed and so many of us are feeling the pressure of the time and the pressure of the expectation. We want to minister. We want to reach out, but we feel limited. We are, we, 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 we are at a place where we cannot be able to accomplish things as, 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 as we had intended. We look at our year plan as I was doing yesterday and most of the things are under the bridge. We we have not been able to do that. But let us not be overwhelmed. God knew that this time will come. And he knew that we will make it through. Let us find that stronghold. Let us, let us find that anchor. Who is our God? And hold on to him and say, you know what? This church is yours, God. This, this battle is yours. You know, this, this people are yours. I can do as much as I can. But Father, I am leaving you to do only what you can. In the name of Jesus Christ. We can only go so far as men men and women of God. We can only go so far as believers, but we need to get to a place where we realize, you know what? I cannot go any further. Now, God, it is up to you. I will sit in rest. I will be at rest. I will be still and wait and see you manifesting in the name of Jesus Christ. Number three, Elijah forgot the strategy of the enemy. So many times the enemy comes to us. The Bible says in First Peter Chapter 5, verse 8. That be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the, the devil, as a roaring lion, he walks about seeking who he may devour. Now, when, 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 when the author wrote these words, he's saying to us, you know what? Don't forget how the enemy operates. Don't forget the strategies that he uses. He is a deceiver. He is a liar. And so many times, yes, he may sound like a lion. He may roar like a lion. But don't forget that he is not a lion. Praise the name of the Lord. So many times he, he, he manifests as if he's the real thing. But so many times he's a deceiver. He is, he is not the original. He is fake. We only know one lion, and that is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion, the lion that rose, and then nobody else can stand. That is the lion that we know, and that lion, child of God, is within you. As the Bible says that he is, he who is within you is greater than he who is in the world. I am reminded.
border security patrol uh, officers. One time they were asked, so many times fake money, fake notes pass through the border. How are you able to differentiate or how are you able all the time to identify that this is the original and this one is fake because people are always coming up with things they are always changing once one fake note has been discovered they go back to the drawing board and they come up with a new fake one and then they bring it through the border and the patrol officers answered you know what it would be tiring to try and identify to try and master all the fake notes, all the signs that a note is fake, the best thing that we do for ourselves is we study and we learn and we look and we acquaint ourselves, we familiarize ourselves with the original. So much so, once we see a fake, it will be so easy to identify. Why? Because we already know how an original looks like. That is us children of God. The enemy appears as a rolling lion and that is a, a strategy that he uses he speaks boldly but that is a strategy that he uses elijah should have been able to to notice elijah should have been able to identify that when he received this message it is not that jezebel and ahab were at their top place or they, they were at their true strongest point they were talking out of fear they themselves were talking from a place of defeat why because elijah was winning praise the name of the lord children of god this is one thing about opposition as long as you are passive as long as you are not a go-getter as long as you are just sitting still and not bothering anybody you know, everyone is at peace with you, but begin to rise up, begin to succeed, begin to win, begin to accomplish, begin to be ambitious. Then you attract opposition. And Elijah should have been able to pick up that this was just a result. This was just a ripple effect. The message that he received was just a ripple effect of what God was doing. The message he received should have been able to tell him that he had caused such an impact to the kingdom of darkness and it was at a place of despair and damage and it should have encouraged him. It should have motivated him and given him more strength in the name of Jesus Christ. But because of exhaustion, because of weariness, he misinterpreted the message that he received. How many times, children of God, have you misinterpreted opposition in your life? There are people that will love you as long as you stay in their level. There are people that will appreciate you and, 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 and embrace you as long as you don't go above them. As long as you remain a chicken. But once you begin to soar, and once you discover that you have the ability to fly, and once you begin to rise up beyond and above every limitation, every barrier, every boundary that your environment has put on you, that people have put upon your life, once you begin to break the boundaries and you begin to rise, then automatically you are going to attract opposition. I'm reminded of Jesus when he began to minister 
and he was at the temple and he spoke with so much power and people began to ask, is this not the son of Joseph? Is this not the son of the carpenter? You know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they had embraced him all along. He grew up among them. But all of a sudden, because they now could see that he was no ordinary man, there was power and authority in his voice. Then they began to question who he was. That is the same thing that happens to us. Not every opposition comes because you are doing something wrong. And so many times we are so quick to conclude that the reason why I am facing so much rejection, the reason why people are against me, the reason why people are talking about me, or the reason why everybody is after my life, it is because I am doing something wrong. No, you have not done something wrong. From today, I want you to realize that 99 percent of the time opposition rises because you are doing something right as long as you are passive the enemy is okay the enemy has no problem with passive christians as long as you are just comfortable in going through the motions as long as you just go to church on a sunday and come back and store your bible and pray only when it's necessary you know your life will be at peace but once you get ignited and once you discover who you are and you discover your purpose in god and you become zealous for god and you decide that you cannot settle for less and you are going after everything that God has in store for you, then you begin to rattle the enemy's cage. And as soon as you do that, then opposition begins to rise. And opposition rises not in the form of, 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 of maybe a demon with horns, but it will rise from your family. It will rise from your children. It will rise from your colleagues. It will even rise right from within the church, the house of God, in the name of Jesus. Christ. And so Elijah forgot the strategy of the enemy, that he is a liar, he is a deceiver in the name of Jesus. May we never forget that the Lion of Judah lives in us. The enemy may roll as much as he wants, but he is not a lion. He is a defeated foe and his place belongs under our feet in the name of Jesus Christ. One other thing, the last thing that Elijah forgot, and this is very important for you to remember. He forgot the battleground. He forgot where the battle was being fought. Yes, it might, it might have uh, happened on Mount Camel. Yes, it might have uh, happened even in Israel, but it was not about a physical location. The battle is in our minds. Children of God, before you can win physical battles, the first place where you win is in your mind. And the first place where you lose is in your mind. Once you lose in your mind you have already lost in the physical once you allow defeat into your mind you have already lost even before you begin in the name of Jesus and that is why our mindset always need to be in tune with the Spirit of God and that is why uh, the Bible was written for us so that we can be able to read and I think that is why also Joshua was encouraged that he should not allow this book to depart from him he should meditate upon it every day because when we meditate upon the word we are reminded of the principles we are reminded who God is we are reminded who we are and what God is capable of in our lives and once we believe that then we speak mighty God I am reminded of that word it says I believed therefore I spoke whenever you hear people talk negative 
Whenever you hear people talk, you know, opposition or rejection or with the spirit of low self-esteem, it, it originates right in their mind. They have been fed lies. They have been fed defeat. And before you can even help them on the physical, the first place you need to help them is in their minds. Begin to to, to realign their thoughts, begin to rearrange their mindset, even with the truth. And the truth is the word of God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. And when we read this word, then truth comes upon us. And when we believe, when we meditate, then the more we meditate, it becomes a reality in our minds and in our spirits. And once we believe, then we begin to speak it. We begin to live it. We begin to walk it in the name of Jesus. The battle is in your mind. And that is why when the enemy spoke, yes, he spoke and Elijah had this message through his ear gate, you know, and he had, and that message affected what his eye gate had seen, and he forgot what he had seen, and he began to meditate on the threat and the message that he had received from Jezebel, and this brought him to a place of desperation, and that is why we see Elijah crying out unto God in verse 4, and he says, you know what, God it is enough. I am exhausted. I can't do this anymore. I have reached my end. I am done. You know, I, I don't I don't deserve to live. And he says, you know what? I am not even any better than my forefathers. The same forefathers that he had mentioned in his prayer when he was calling down fire. He had prayed that God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. But now all of a sudden, because of the mindset that was negative within him, he forgot everything that he had, he had known in his life. And he begins now to equate Abraham to equate Isaac and Jacob at the same level. And he says, you know, his mind now, it is so infected that he sees as if Abraham did not achieve. He sees as if Isaac did not accomplish his assignment. He sees as if Jacob did not achieve his assignment. And this is what happens in our lives. When we are at a place of defeat, when we are at a place of discouragement, when we are at a place of, 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 of total despair, we see through those lenses and everything that we look around us, it looks as if it's, it's not going our way. Even if somebody wants to do something, you interpret it, you know, negatively. Even if the people are for you, they just want to support you. They want to encourage you or comfort you. But because of the emotions that you have, the negative emotions and the negative mindset that you have allowed to grow within you, you look at people and you are already you know, judgmental. You already, you know, you you you, you are apprehensive and, and, and you shut people out and you begin to, you know, you close the door and you isolate yourself. And this is exactly what happened to Elijah. The Bible says that he ran. And after he ran, he left, he isolated himself from not just everybody, but he isolated himself even from his own servant. The servant that had been there with him to see all the manifestations. The servant that had witnessed the power of God. You know, 
don't isolate yourself child of god i know we all know this place where we rock ourselves in the room and we don't even open the curtains and we don't want to switch on the lights and we crawl into a fatal position and we cry our lungs out why we cry our eyes out and we feel as if the world is against us and we feel as if god does not understand and we shut everybody out and even if somebody tries to call to give you an encouragement you just reject all the calls why because you feel as if there is nothing good that can ever happen in your life but children of god i want to encourage you today don't isolate yourself because those are the very people when you are down and broken when you are at a place of despair those are the people that can be able to speak to you and remind you of the victories remind you of what god has done remind you testify and even speak to your life in the name of jesus christ never forget you are not too high for people to speak to you. It might look like a servant had nothing to do with his life, but this is exactly what he needed. But the Bible says he separated himself and he came to the just Janiper tree and he sat down in despair and he began to cry and he began to pray. And he says, you know what? I have had enough. I want to speak to you this afternoon. I may you might be in this place like Elijah was. I, I as soon as I read this message, as soon as God gave me this message, I, I could relate with Elijah. You know, so many of us cannot even relate to the Elijah that is calling fire down. Why? Because we have not even reached that level in our ministries. Some of us have never seen the manifestations that Elijah had been able to, to, to experience in his own ministry. And so maybe you cannot even relate with him at that point. But you know, when we see him praying this prayer, almost all of us can be able to relate with him. And all of a sudden we realize he is a man just like you and I. He is a man. He has emotions. He has a breaking point and we can be able to relate with him in the name of Jesus Christ. Now Elijah had commanded the children of Israel to kill the prophets of Baal and so he knew he had access. He knew how to, to kill. He could have killed himself but the Bible says that he ran and he cried to God and he says you know what? Kill me. Take my life. I don't deserve to live. I am. I have failed. He actually felt like a failure after achieving everything that he had achieved because his mind was now clouded with negativity. He interpreted what was happening to him as failure and he feels as if he has failed. I thank God because he prayed and I pray that any of us as when we get, find ourselves in such a place that we will cry out unto God. Yes, it might find, it might seem as if it is a hopeless prayer. Some of us, we listen to ourselves, you know, praying or we, 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 we remember what we prayed when we were at a certain place and we can't even believe that we actually prayed those prayers. But God is compassionate and God is loving and God understands and he knows that we are just men in the name of Jesus. Christ. We have a high priest that has gone through hell and back and he knows how we feel. He knows when we break. He knows when we are a place of despair and he can be able to reach out unto us. I don't know what you're going through, child of God. There are internal battles that nobody knows about. Sometimes you put on a fake smile. Sometimes you put on your makeup and your lovely dresses, but nobody knows that on the inside you are a broken shell. You are 
the shell of your former self, but there is somebody who knows. And right in the middle of that juniper tree, it can be in your bedroom, it can be at an isolated place. Others go to the to the forest and cry their lungs out and scream. You might feel as if you feel that your life is at an end, but this is not the end. Remember, God is not done. And as we Wait for next Sunday to hear how God responds. I am excited, child of God, because there is still hope in the name of Jesus Christ. It's amazing the kind of prayers that at times we pray. And it shows us the heart of God that is full of love and full of compassion. I'm reminded of someone that once gave me a story and he said, you know, uh, we were at a night prayer and it was so powerful and, and it was ignited, you know, and it was, everybody was just praying. And, and right next to them, she heard somebody praying and saying, God, you know, put me in the oil like you put Peter, you know, put me in the hot oil. You know, I want, I want to experience, you know, and that is the kind of prayer that he prayed. For him, that was, I don't know, a revelation at that particular point, or it was a zeal that was in his heart, but there is some lack of wisdom as well involved in that prayer. But we all pray weird prayers when we are, you know, forced into a corner, or when we come to our end and we realize and we feel as if we have put so much into an assignment. We have worked so hard. We have given and sacrificed our all, and yet we don't see the results that we expected. Remember, the results were there, but Elijah had been blinded to those results because of the report that he had allowed even to grip his heart and his mind in the name of Jesus. Child of God, there is a stronghold that God has prepared for all of us. A place that even if we are in the middle of battle, no matter how weary we get, no matter how exhausted we get, a place where we can run to and we can be refreshed so that we will never find ourselves crying out unto God and saying, God, kill me. God, I am done. Others have left their ministries while they were going through such a thing. Others have given up on their marriage. Others have forsaken their children because they went through a situation of despair. Don't give up, child of God. God is still in control in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for watching us this afternoon. We will catch you again next week, Sunday, same time, same place in Jesus' mighty name. I want to pray with you in the name of Jesus, right where you are. I don't know what kind of prayer you are praying. I don't know what situation you are going through. I don't know what report you have received. But child of God, God is in control in the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we worship you. We give you praise this afternoon. We thank you, everlasting God, for your word. We appreciate, everlasting Father, that you have written, Jehovah God, not only the highs, but also the lows of your servants, knowing King of all glory. In your foreknowledge, you knew that we would need to read these words today, that we will need, Jehovah God, even to relate, everlasting Father, and pick up on the lessons, Jehovah God, that your servants went through, so that we can rise up victorious. We thank you for your power. We thank you Jehovah that there is a power within us. We thank you that you have provided everything for us to be able to walk through every battle and come out victorious in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you that there is nothing that is too hard for you. There is nothing that is impossible for you. Father, I pray even for that woman, I pray for that man, for that youth, for that child, for that granny, for that mkulu, 
I thank you for that pastor, for that woman and man of God. Everlasting Father, I declare and I declare a refreshing in their spirits. I pray for new strength in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray Jehovah even for a transformation of their minds in the name of Jesus where we will declare that we will only believe your report and not accommodate the report of the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you awesome God for the battle belongs to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We worship you. We give you praise this afternoon in Jesus mighty name. Amen. Amen.